Mamas, I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you of something. If you're pregnant or you need a shower gift, you're trying to get pregnant or you're working on toddler sleep, or even if you're a birth partner and not a mama, there is something for you at Hypnobabies. Hypnobabies has MP3 tracks for everything, including their full Hypnobabies course. On episode 7, I interviewed the founder, Carrie Tushoff, so you can go back and listen to learn all about it. Also, she was amazing and gave my listeners a special code for 20% off. So go ahead and follow the link in the show notes and include the code PUMPINGPODCAST at checkout. Now, on to the show. This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Hey, mamas. So this week, I get a chance to speak to an amazing certified labor postpartum doula and a birth photographer. She's also a wonderful mama of two. Her name is Kayla Zydersma. I found her on Instagram, and not only does she have a beautiful following on Instagram with an amazing gallery of photos, she tells us her story of how to take control of your birth experience and how in doing that can affect your postpartum experience. Now, of course, this all came to her from her own experience, having her first pregnancy and first birth be something that she totally didn't expect and discovering that she needed to make a change. This episode is going to be broken up into two parts because we just couldn't stop talking and she has some really good stories about being a doula. So make sure you listen to part one and part two. Now help me welcome Kayla. Most importantly, you are a mama of two, correct? Yes. Yeah. And did I read correctly that you live on a family run farm? Yes, we do. (laughs) That's the coolest thing. That is so cool. Tell me about that. So my husband is a chicken farmer. So we live on the farm. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, we live on the farm with my in-laws and we actually live next door. So we live side by side to each other, um, which we love. Like, I think it's great. The kids have a wonderful relationship with grandma and grandpa. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my husband does chickens and we do it for the eggs. Um, So he's in partnership with his dad, and then eventually he will kind of take over the farm so his parents can retire. Wow, that's so cool. I don't know if I've ever actually met someone who truly lives on a family-run farm. That's so awesome. I'm I'm a little jealous, and I wish you could send me some some fresh chicken and eggs. (laughs) Um, So is that where you're joining us from today? Yes. So I am on the farm. And where is that? What state? So I am actually in Beamsville, Ontario, Canada. Oh, cool. You're also my first Canadian to interview. I love that. So today we're going to be talking, well, first we're going to be hearing her story, of course. And then we're going to be talking about taking control of your birth experience and how in turn that can end up affecting your postpartum experience. So First of all, Kayla, go ahead and take us back to what life was like as Kayla before kids. <laughs> all right. So um, before kids, 
as my husband and I, and we actually were not married very long before we got pregnant with our daughter. So we were married for three months and then found out we were pregnant. Um, And then she was actually due on our first year anniversary, but was very late. So she didn't end up coming till 42 weeks. And how long were you together before? We dated for nine months. And then we were engaged for nine months and then we were married. So not a huge amount of time, um, but we, I actually knew my husband's brother and sister-in-law before I even knew my husband was even a part of the picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a really good relationship with my sister-in-law because we were really close friends for years before I met my husband. Oh, that's so neat. And that's so rare. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. Um, and what were you doing for a job before then? So before, before I got into the birth world, I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I loved working with children and families. So I went to university um, to become a youth pastor, actually. Uh, so I had done that, and I was working for a nonprofit organization, um, doing a lot of outreach programs with inner city kids. Um, so working with a lot of low-income families and just kids who were basically on the streets and had nowhere else to go. So working with that, I kind of got a glimpse of just moms struggling, like single moms, moms trying to work three, four jobs to try to keep food on the table for their families. Um, Just these young kids who were like four and five years old walking around with no shoes on or like the program would end and it would be pitch black out in the middle of winter and these little kids would just disappear into the streets. And it was like they were just gone. So that for me, I was like, as a mom, like I couldn't imagine like going through that and struggling, that struggle to make sure that your family survives, basically. So for me, I was like, I wanted to make a change with women and families. So that's kind of where it started. And then I had my daughter and it really, I was like, whoa, okay, this is, this is where I, I am meant to be. I am meant to, to be in the birth world and just help moms who are, you know, becoming new mamas and and all of that. So I wanted to be able to support them um, in all the ways that I possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. And so clearly it didn't take you very long to get pregnant, it seems. <laughs> no, no, we were um, we were very blessed that way. Um, I was very grateful. We were told by doctors actually that um, you might not get pregnant. It might take quite a long time. So we mentally were preparing for a very long time. We were mentally preparing for infertility treatments and everything else. And then we got pregnant right away. And it was almost a shock. Like we almost weren't ready for it, even though we had consciously started trying to get pregnant. We almost weren't prepared. Right. Because you're expecting this. Yeah. We were like, oh, it's going to take a year, like in a year. Sure. We'll be ready. And then you get pregnant. You're like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> so you're never really fully prepared exactly. when that happens. <laughs> and, and so what was the pregnancy like with your first pregnancy? Um, people are going to hate me for this, but I, have, <laughs> I, I had very good. Okay, everybody has their own challenge and struggle. <laughs> um, I had 
very good pregnancies. I was not sick a whole lot. With my daughter, I found I had a little bit of nausea in the beginning within, within those first, you know, that first trimester morning sickness. Um, only I had it at night. I did not have it in the morning. Um, but yeah, I didn't, my pregnancies were very good overall. Um, we did end up miscarrying a baby in between our two. So we had our daughter and then we ended up getting pregnant, miscarrying, and then we ended up having our son after that. Do you mind if I ask how far along you were? Um, I was in my first trimester, so I wasn't extremely far along, but it was enough that we, you know, we were excited and, you know, had contacted our midwives and were, you know, already kind of, you know, we, we were excited. We had told our family um, already and and then actually after we had told our family is when it happened. So that was a bit of a shock too as well because you get excited and then you share with your family and then it's like, oh, and and then, you know, yeah. I, I was, it was just one day I was gardening. There was no, the doctors really didn't have any explanation. I was gardening and I started to get some cramping and I knew that from my daughter, I did have cramping and some spotting in my first trimester. So I was like, you know what, um, this could be normal, but then it continued. And being a doula, I was like, okay, I knew the signs to look for. And I knew that it was no longer normal. And I went to the emergency room right away and they, and they were doing all these tests to try to figure out because they basically didn't know if I had miscarried or not. So they were checking my cervix and they said, well, if your cervix is is dilated, then it's signs that you've miscarried. Um, but it wasn't, it was completely closed. So they were like, we don't understand. Um, like my HCG levels were continuously, like they were continuing to drop, but my cervix and everything else wasn't showing signs of a miscarriage. So I had had to undergo all kinds of testing to, you know, for them to finally realize, yes, you are miscarrying. And they basically, um, they basically told me, well, this happens all the time. So go home and wait till you pass it. That's what they said to me. They said, go home, wait till you pass it. And I was like, what do you mean? Go home, wait till I pass it. And they're like, it'll go pee one time and you'll just pass it. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's it. Like that, that's how you, like, yeah. I was, I was very shocked. That's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. It was because I found that the doctors who almost felt like they had seen it so many times that they had no, they had lost all care and empathy and everything else when it came to that situation. It was just like, just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Just a part of the process. They're like, if the bleeding doesn't stop in, in so much time and if you don't um, pass it and then, you know, then come back. And I was just, I was shocked, even the the wording that they would say, right? Just, you'll just pass it. Yeah. What I'm do you like, mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'll just pass it. Yeah. So that was, that was a little bit of a traumatic experience for both my husband and I. My husband had a little bit of a hard time with that as well. Um, the thing that I think is crazy is like, I have to go back and look at all my episodes, but I'm pretty sure in Basically, all of the episodes that I've had with moms who have 
been able, no, not even, with all moms. Obviously, I have one episode with dads, so that didn't happen. But with all moms, I think every single one has had a miscarriage. And it's so crazy because before starting this podcast, I had talked to so many people and it seemed as though people would have miscarriages but really wouldn't talk about it. And then some moms would feel ashamed for having miscarriages. But like, I literally find myself at every single interview talking about a miscarriage and I don't intend to bring it, bring it up. It's just what happens and it's crazy. And, you know, I think it's an awful, really hard thing, but I think it's, unfortunately, it seems like it's part of the process. And I think as we talk more about it, moms or women who are trying to get pregnant will almost expect it right? It's like, it can never make it easier, but at least if you go in knowing that so many women, almost all women, I wonder what the percentage is, but almost all have had a miscarriage. It's like, well, I can probably expect it. And if I don't, that's great. Mm -hmm. I believe, I think it's one in four or one in five actually. Um, And that might vary based on like the States and Canada as well. So don't a hundred percent quote me on that, but I believe it's around one in four actually, but yeah, you're right. It definitely, it's something that is very much a part of it. It does happen and there's not always an explanation as to why it happens. Um, And I think it is one of those things where you do feel shame because you get so excited and you share your good news and then it's like, it's ripped away from you. Right. Um, and it's unexpected. Like nobody, nobody goes into a pregnancy expecting to lose that baby. No, of course. Um, so it's almost even with, right. Like trying to prepare there's no way of preparing for, I could have a miscarriage. You know, if I, if I decide, you know, I want five kids, well, I should prepare maybe for a miscarriage, but there's no way of preparing because you never expect it. Right. Yeah. You that's never true. like you get pregnant and you're just you're so overwhelmed with joy and excitement when you have been trying to get pregnant that that is, yes, it's always in the back of your mind, that first trimester, um, which is why there's that first trimester, right? Where people, you know, kind of keep it quiet or they don't announce right away until they get to that 12 or 13 week mark. Right. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it is in the back of your head, but it's not. Yeah. Um, So it's really tricky and it's a topic that I do. It's becoming, people are starting to talk about it more. Um, Women are starting to share their stories more, which I think is incredible. And we can really help a lot of other women by sharing our stories. Um, But it is, it's still, it's still hard. Yeah. So going back a little bit. So you had your first, you had your daughter first, was that correct? Yes. Yes. You had your daughter And then take us back to the birth of your daughter. So when I first had my daughter, I was basically a baby myself. Um, I married my husband when I was 21 and had my daughter when I was 22. Mm. Um, So I felt like I didn't have a lot of knowledge about birth at that time. Uh, my mom had always shared her birth experience with me and her breastfeeding experience, but I always remember there being 
struggles because my brother was born five years. He's so he's five years younger than me. Um, I very vividly remember my mom struggling, trying to breastfeed my brother and him, um, you know, screaming and crying. And then she would do what any mother would do, right? She would try to console her baby and try to nurse him again and go through all the things that you could do to try to soothe your screaming baby. And she found out later on, actually, that he had a dairy allergy. Um, But I remember there being so much struggles. Um, So I, that was kind of my impression of birth and breastfeeding, birth and postpartum kind of thing. It was that it was going to be a struggle. Um, And my mom had very quick labors. So I also had a false view that labor was quick. It was something that you went, you did, you kind of got it done and that was it. And that's how my mom talked about it. Um, She just kind of went and did it. And she was a very strong woman. So I could very much picture that. Like my mom said she wasn't, you know, she just, she was in labor and then she went and she had her baby. (laughs) So I was I didn't, I didn't have much knowledge or information beyond what my mom was telling me. Right. So, and then I married my husband and he's the youngest of five. So he has two sisters and two sister-in-laws. So only at that time, only two of them had had kids. So going off their stories, they also had a similar mentality of like, you just kind of go and get it done. You just do it. (laughs) They struggled like my one sister-in-law, like God bless her. She had the worst back pain ever during her pregnancy. And my husband said she would walk bent over, like bent in half. Oh my goodness. Pregnancy. Um, and she's still like, she still has a bad back, but to be, and she had four kids to do that four times over. Um, yeah. So just, I feel like my, my, just my impressions of birth were just, you kind of just get it done. You push through, um, and you just do it. And that was my mother-in-law too. Like my mother-in-law, she had five kids. And I remember saying like, mom, how did you do it? How did you get through birth? How did you, you know, um, get through newborn stage? How did you do all this? And she, and she very much said, you just, I just did it. I just went yeah. and I did it. And it was a very, in, it was a very independent attitude, right? Like I just kind of went and did it. Right. Um, so for me, it was like, I need to be independent. I'm just going to get her done. The births were textbooks, simple. Um, my two sister-in-laws were like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going in. And they would go in, get their epidural, and then have their baby like that. So I, there was nothing. I don't know. I didn't. So my birth knowledge, I felt, was very limited to this idea of you just go get it done. I then, you know, my one sister-in-law got pregnant, and she was the first in the family to look into midwives. And I remember we got pregnant with our daughter and I was like, oh, this is, this is different. Maybe I want to look into midwives instead of an OB. So we had, we decided to go with midwives and it was an incredible experience. Um, and we ended up with the same midwives uh, to, live, to deliver our son as well. And we, we absolutely loved it. Um, but my experience with my daughter, um, I had a very long first labor. 
So again, that was opposite of what I had expected because I I had this vision in my head for some reason that like, just go get her <laughs> done and bring your baby home. <laughs> yeah, like it was a quick thing. Nope, not not quick. Um, <laughs> I had a thirty-eight hour labor. Thirty-eight hours. Yes. Uh, wow. Very long. Part of that was when I my contractions started. They didn't really come on as period cramping. They kind of they came on as contractions right away. So I felt like I had that active labor contractions for a long time, like at least 24 hours. And since you had a midwife with you, were you home or? Yeah, so I was able to stay home um, for the majority of my labor. I, my daughter was born at 6.46 p.m. And that day we went into the hospital for 11 a.m. because she had stopped moving. And at that point I was like, I'm getting worried. I'm not feeling my baby moving anymore. This has been a really long time. I'm exhausted. And I was just like, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, So we had went to, we met the midwife at the hospital and she had checked and she said to me, you're four centimeters. And I remember looking at her being like, oh my goodness, are you kidding? Like only four? I was like, (laughs) you could imagine I've already been in labor for like two days. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I was like, I was like, no, like I can't. I remember being like, I can't, I can't be at four centimeters. Like, like, you're lying. <laughs> like, are you sure? Um, and he was like, yeah. But what was happening was I was so tired that my body was actually trying to stall labor so that it could rest. Mm. So I ended up having the epidural um, for the last, I think it was five hours. The last five, four to five hours, I had the epidural, um, which was nice because I was able to rest and get some sleep, um, and then have the energy I needed to be able to push my daughter out. Um, But then the pushing was also quite long. So I had two and a half hours of pushing, which I now know can be partly due to epidural as well. Um, So there was a lot of birth knowledge that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. Where with my second, when I had my son, I knew I was a doula. Um, I had, you know, had my daughter. I was like, okay, I know what to expect. I support women all the time as they give birth. So we knew more of our options. We were much more educated in the options we had. Um, so for him, we decided to have a home birth instead of a hospital birth. And his birth was only seven and a half hours compared to 38 hours. Wow. So it was two very different experiences. Um, But I did find my birth experience with my daughter was nothing that I expected. It almost felt like a shock to me. Everything that happened felt like a shock. It was like, why is this taking so long? Is something wrong? Um, Then going to the hospital. And for me, I'm okay working in a hospital, but I'm that type of person when I'm admitted to the hospital myself, it panics me. Right. Um, so being in the hospital, the hospital was also under construction. Oh, yeah. so we laugh at this now, but I remember waddling across the hallway 
into the labor and delivery room and my husband said the midwife was running after you to try to tie up the back of your gown because my <laughs> butt cheeks were hanging out as I'm walking across the hall <laughs> and there's construction workers you know just painting the wall oh my god you know? <laughs> but when you've been in labor for that long you're totally you don't out. care yeah yeah So everything was just a shock. Like for me, I also have a history of um, sexual abuse as well. So for me, being in a hospital, seeing all those construction workers, not knowing who they were, it also triggered, you know, this fear and panic within me um, that I also kept very quiet. I was trying to, you know, very much internalize how I was feeling because I didn't know what I was supposed to feel during my birth. But also that probably affected how, like your baby was probably responding to that and therefore not moving out properly because of that panic, right? Would you yeah. think? Yeah. So when, definitely when you experience stress or panic, your body starts to release adrenaline instead of oxytocin, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, your fight or flight hormones. So those kind of kick in but they're the opposite of what your body needs to birth your baby. So then it stalls labor and all these other chain reaction of things kind of start to to play into it. So for me, I was feeling that stress and just kind of not knowing what to do. I was basically just going by what the midwife was recommending at that time. Um, And she was incredible. I'm so glad that we had her because she actually made me feel so much more comfortable and safe, even though there was all that chaos kind of happening in the hallway and everything. And so did that lead you toward then deciding to become a doula? And what what exactly inspired you to do that? Well, after I had my daughter, my birth experience was almost a shock to me. And then my postpartum, I found that it was not the best. I had postpartum uh, depression and anxiety after I had my daughter. Um, my recovery felt was longer. Um, everything about it. I struggled with breastfeeding with my daughter. It was just, it was very much a struggle. Um, so my postpartum ended up being this huge struggle. And I remember coming out of it and the way I came out of it was I started my business. I am very much by nature, a busier person. So I need to have something for myself where I'm always learning and growing. Mm. Um, I love being at home with my kids. I love spending time with them, but I need to have something for me that allows me to just kind of grow as a person. And knowing that my husband and I were having this conversation around six months postpartum and I had been struggling with postpartum depression this whole time. And we talked about, you know, what are we going to do work-wise? Like, do I go back to work or do I start my own business? Because I've always wanted to start my own business. And we both agreed that we thought it would be better to start my own business. So that's when I didn't really know. I was like, well, I think I want to do something with birth and babies. Like I just, for me, it came out of a place of I never wanted anyone to feel as alone as I did or without the education that I felt like I, at that point, I didn't even know what a doula was. I didn't know anything. And now also you had a midwife and how, what's the difference between the two and how did you think a doula could have helped where a midwife maybe didn't as much? Um, So a midwife and a doula are different in the sense of your clinical care and who delivers your baby. So a midwife, they 
Um, they go to university um, here in Canada anyways, they go to university. They are all registered midwives here. Um, and they have to do a lot of practice and clinical work before they can become a midwife. Um, so midwives do all your clinical care during your pregnancy and your postpartum and they deliver your baby. Where doulas are, they specifically support moms physically, emotionally, and mentally and informatively during their pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So we do not deliver babies as doulas. So I always say midwives are kind of waist down and then doulas are kind of waist up. (laughs) That's interesting. And so even though you went to the hospital with your first, she, your midwife, she was still able to physically deliver your baby. It was just in the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how, I think midwives work a little bit different in the States. The regulations might be a little bit different, but here, in Canada, um, all midwives are regulated. You have to um, work out of a clinic in order to practice, um, and that clinic is regulated as well. So everything is is regulated here, and midwives can deliver. They have privileges in the hospital, um, and they can deliver home births as well. Um, so you kind of you have the option of hospital birth or home birth with midwives here. Mm. So I liked having that option. Yeah, Um, especially with my son. But yeah, it definitely like, that's kind of the, the main difference. And I find midwives, there's so much clinical stuff to focus on when when they're delivering a baby. um, That when it comes time for baby to be born, um, they're not always able to depending on the circumstance and the situation, they're not always able to provide that Um, emotional stability for mom and usually midwives come at the very end right before baby's going to be born so a midwife isn't with you from the very beginning of your labor and delivery um, where a doula you call your doula whenever you feel you need support so for me it's usually I usually tell my client clients active labor or you know if there's a point before that where you feel like you need extra support then I tell them to give me a call so I do find uh, it is a little bit different that way, um, but yeah. And so what's it been like for you? You decided to start it, and how's it been going? It's been going good. Um, I've kind of taken my time with starting my business just because I do have young kids. So um, I've kind of, you know, just done it more on a part-time basis. And this is my first year where I feel like I'm able to do it more on a full-time basis because my little guy is getting a little bit older. Um, he's, you know, now, you know, 20 months old rather than a newborn baby. So I can actually, you know, be outside the home a little bit longer. So yeah, it's been good. When you were after your first child, when you were envisioning this business you wanted to create and how you wanted to aid moms in their birth do you feel like you've gotten to that point with your business that you're able to accomplish those goals that you wanted in supporting those moms? Yes, absolutely. Um, like you've been able to get out what you wanted to get out of, of the process? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I. So with my business, I try to support all mamas in the community. So um, doulas here are not 
sometimes your insurance company will cover it, um, sometimes not. So it can be expensive for first-time moms. You know, there's a lot of stuff to to purchase when it comes to having a baby. So I try to make sure that with my business, I'm able to keep my prices a little bit lower, but also at the same time, um, be able to support moms in need. So um, for example, I've had mamas who were pregnant due to um, sexual assault, um, mamas who are single moms, teen moms. So we try to make sure that um, those mamas are supported as well, not just mamas who are able to pay for services. And that's so interesting too, because that backs up into your past and what the work that you did before yeah. you were even a mom. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I have to ask, what is one of the most memorable birth experiences that you've seen? Um, okay. I've got two. Okay. I've got one that was very calm and quiet. And then I've got one that was a little bit more chaotic and crazy, but both had really, really memorable experiences. So the one that was really calm um, was a mama who decided to do hypnobirthing. Uh, I had a a hypnobabies. I had the founder and CEO of hypnobabies on. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So those who are listening, if you're curious as to what that is, go back in the episodes and check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So she decided to do hypnobirthing and it was absolutely incredible. I'm like, if this is for me, um, just kind of viewing her as a mom who's already had two babies, um, watching this mama just with so much power and so much strength bring her baby earthside and just um it was just such a very calm and quiet environment and you know sometimes in those moments as a doula it's like you almost feel useless because <laughs> right like mama's got it under control like she's doing very well <laughs> um, but for this mama she explained to me after that she said it was more about a presence she said knowing that you were present in case i needed you was what was a big support for her. So sometimes just as a doula, your presence can be a huge support. Mm. So um, she birthed her baby so calmly um, that the midwife and I, I remember us standing there and almost kind of having to watch mama. And (laughs) I do like to give moms their space sometimes so they don't feel like they're being watched. But this mama had a washcloth over her eyes and was just laying in bed and was so calmly getting through her contractions that like, we didn't know when she was having contractions. Um, Yeah. And she was like, she was in transition, like from the time, like active labor to transition, there was really no change. Wow. So we had to watch very closely because at this time, mom was so close to having baby, um, you know, midwives have had, had the pad underneath her bum there. So, you know, to protect the bed and we were actually having to watch for any amniotic fluid that was coming out because that kind of symbolized when her, when her uterus was contracting, Right. (laughs) there'd be this little trickle of amniotic fluid. That's how calm it was. We were having to watch times like that because you could drop a pin in that room. That's how quiet it was. It was just 
so common even when she when she birthed her baby like she waited to the point where she felt like her body was starting to push um, so there is something called the fetal ejection uh, reflex where our bodies actually take over and will birth our baby whether we're pushing actively pushing or not um, so you don't actually have to actively push in order to birth your baby. Your body has a reflex that will do it on its own. Mm. So she waited till that reflex kicked in and allowed her body to kind of push her baby out. And it was incredible to see. It was like, if this is what birth, like if birth was meant to be completely painless, like that's, that's yeah. how I would envision it. It was wow. absolutely beautiful. That's amazing. It was incredible. And they didn't know what gender they were having. So it was a complete surprise when they found out it was a little girl. So it was just, it went from so calm, this calm environment to this mom just embracing her baby and then tears because she was so excited that it was a little girl. Um, so it was a really beautiful moment. Um, and you could tell like mom was just very empowered by her birth experience. It was a sense of like, I did this, I did it. Yeah. Like I made it through and I did it. Um, and she felt very accomplished and and everything by the end, and you could tell she was so happy. Hey mamas, this is the end of part one with Kayla, but be sure to listen on to part two. It's just the very next episode. You do not want to miss this next story she has coming up. This experience she has being a doula is just crazy. It's so beautiful and amazing and quite a circus. She also talks about how to take control of your birth experience, which ends up leading to a much more enjoyable postpartum. So I hope you enjoy. Happy listening. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at thepumpingpodcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.